G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Black Lives Matter protests continuing to simmer around the Western world. A small number of protesters defied a court order to demonstrate on the streets of Sydney yesterday. Now, it wasn't a particularly violent protest. Six people were arrested, though, for allegedly breaching a COVID-19 public health order. But while we have our own Australian issues with those sorts of movements like Black Lives Matter and violent, sometimes aggressive protests, so far they've been quite subdued. Not like places like the United States and in the UK where police have become targets of violence. In the US, protesters turned violent this past weekend with demonstrators squaring off against police in Portland, Oregon. The latest issue being reported is that protesters are flashing powerful lasers into the eyes of federal authorities in Portland every night. And these aren't those little pointers that you use for a PowerPoint presentation. They've got the capacity to cause permanent eye damage. In fact, uh, such damage has already been inflicted on a reported three law enforcement officers in Portland. Demonstrators set fire to police vehicles in the American city Seattle, where rocks and bottles, fireworks and mortars have been reportedly fired at police. In Texas, a protester was shot and killed by a person who drove through a crowd of marches. So is this part of the new normal? As Christians, how do we understand these developments around attacks on law and order? Does the Bible have cultural and prophetic relevance today, shedding light on issues of the heart and what to expect and how Christian believers are called to respond. Some interesting things to talk about over this coming hour with our special guest, Dr. Camille Magdaly, who leads Teach All Nations. He's a Bible teacher and futurist following global trends and helping Christian believers become future ready. He's joining us, staying up late, in the UK Camille Magdaly, welcome along to 2020. Good morning, Neil, and good morning, Australia. And it is uh, quite appropriate to say good morning for you too, Camille, because I think it's like 1.30 in the morning, isn't it? Yes, it's 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> well, I do appreciate you staying up late, and uh, I know listeners will appreciate your insights into some of the things that are happening. If we're talking violence and unrest, Camille... Uh, The idea of a biblical context for these things, uh, people thinking about whether this is the last days, are the things we're seeing significant in God's eyes? Uh, What are your thoughts in just an overview idea about uh, these sorts of things as they're developing around the world? Well, good question. In fact, you had a lot of good questions. I'm not sure all the answers we can have in the time we've allotted. But uh, first of all, I know that some people... I heard one person say, this is the judgment of God. 
got to be careful with that one, especially when good Christians are being affected just as much as everyone else. It rains on the just and the unjust. So I'm, I'm very reticent to use that. And in fact, I don't feel that is necessarily what is happening. Although, according to Second Timothy 3, verse 1, it says that in the last days, perilous times come. And it describes all forms of rather horrible human behavior. And so it's the bad human behavior that we're seeing that I think calls to mind the issue of prophecy. But also, of course, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21 talks about signs of the times leading up to the return of Christ. And again, it talks about not just general instability, but also uh, what do you call it? The spreading of the gospel, which is, of course, a good thing. It's not all bad news in the last days, for sure. But you have that issue, and you have famines, pestilences, and so on. Remember, we're looking at both vile human behavior and natural phenomena, which is enlarged and amplified manyfold. That's That's one thing. But also, remember, we believe that God has a kingdom, that he's preparing his kingdom, he's building his kingdom, and we cannot but help but look for a pushback from Satan and demon powers that want nothing to do with the kingdom because it's basically their pink slip and they're out of business. So one of the key things I want to emphasize, Neil, is that what we're seeing ultimately has a spiritual root and therefore ultimately only has a spiritual solution, and that's where the church comes into play. Interesting you say, not the judgment of God, or at least be very cautious as you even make that sort of suggestion. But when there is a wave of trouble, uh, when we had drought, we were talking about, you know, what was God doing in the midst of that? And then, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, there was a lot of prayer that went into Australia's drought conditions. And then all of a sudden, early this year, the drought broke. Then there were, of course, there were bushfires and now COVID-19. And each of those in themselves are dreadful circumstances. And we say as Christian believers, where is God in the midst of this? But when there is all three of those and all sorts of other troubles that come upon us, uh, is there some sense here, Camille? Uh, Does God speak in those sorts of issues and hard times? What are your thoughts here? I believe the answer is yes. We may not necessarily say judgment of God, but I believe we can say that God is using these things to get our attention. Think of it like an alarm clock that wakes up somebody in a deep sleep. I believe that God is speaking, and there's all kinds of things that God is saying. Some of them are fairly elementary and, shall we say, down to earth. Some of them are just downright common sense things. So, for example, I think this is a time to become prudent. In fact, we should have been prudent a while ago, but if we haven't been back then, we better learn prudence now. After all, Joseph learned prudence and stored up the grain in the good years so that when the famine hit, they uh, had nothing to worry about. There was plenty of food to go around, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our time, 
whether it's in how we position ourselves for the future, we need prudence. And I believe that's just one thing that God is saying. There's, there's a whole host of others. But I, I think the other thing is, and it's what I have tried to emphasize in the Understanding the Times tours, and that is the wisest thing you can do in the face of an ever-changing world is invest in your spiritual life, number one priority. Because if you miss that, all your other preparation will be of limited value. So God speaking into a time like this, uh, the encouragement for believers to get ready and, as you say, invest in your spiritual development, spiritual maturity, so that you can, in fact, see what is happening and so that you can hear when God is getting your attention. But this idea of chaos, even anarchy, even rebellion, uh, this is not the first time this has happened, Camille. Uh, Is there lessons to learn from the past? Have we heard the voice of God? Has there been outcomes we can draw attention to of past times that we might look for in the current circumstances? Good question, and yes, I have an answer. What we're seeing does mirror somewhat what happened in the 1960s. Now, I know that was 50 years ago, but let's face it, the teenagers of the 1960s are the the statesmen and elders of today. One of them is Bill Muhlenberg, a regular on your program. Bill was one of those, uh, from what I understand in his writings, one of those protesters and left-wing Marxist kind of guys, and uh, he, yeah, he was into it full bore. So is Dr. Michael Brown in the U.S. These are people that were part of that scene, but they found Jesus. In the end of the 1960s came what is called the Jesus Revolution, or the Jesus Movement. In other words, a revival. And some of those protesters that were so wild became tamed, saved, and sanctified because of that revival. Look, Neil, if nothing else, if people are concerned, I mean, believing people, are concerned at what they're seeing, let this situation we now face revolutionize your prayer life, because the effectual fervent prayer of righteous people avails much. That's James 5, I think, verse 16. It really changes everything. And I am convinced of the power of prayer to change events and make this a better world. Not that we will make it perfect. Only Jesus can do that when he returns. But I'm telling you, it'll be a whole lot better than we've seen. So yes, very similar to the 60s. The 60s did have a revival. And that's my prayer right now. In fact, perhaps the intensity of the attacks and of the challenges is because God may very well be preparing us for revival and Satan is throwing the kitchen sink in response. Let's just continue to reflect for a few moments here, Camille, uh, back to the 60s, uh, the uh, the rebellion that was going on there amongst teenagers and all sorts of reasons for that. Uh, then into the 70s, the Jesus movement. And uh, we reflect on that and we say that was like a revival movement, uh, the Jesus movement. I wonder if you've got any reflection on what was the catalyst uh, for starting that. You know, obviously we'll say as Christians, well, it was a movement of God. But was there a disgruntledness about the people? Had they sought their utopian hippie 
conquests and discovered that they were empty uh, and they looked for something deeper. Any thoughts on what it might have been as a catalyst out of the uh, Jesus movement, uh, that in, into the Jesus movement? I'll make an educated guess, and that is the depravity of the 1960s. It was a wild time. Although, amazingly, most Westerners, be it in Australia or the U.S. or whatever, were still normative and conservative. But the fringe was very noisy, very conspicuous, very blatant in their disregard for everything. This is the time of, you know, narcotics and sex in the park and uh, anti-war protests and dabbling with Eastern mysticism and you name it. It was a, and violent protests against the Vietnam War. What my guess is, is that godly people back then saw what was happening, they prayed, and... God sent a Jesus movement, because I th- believe that revival is always preceded by things like repentance and things like prayer. So that is what I think happened in the 60s, and I dare say it's happening now. The well, prayer, that is. Yes, well, interestingly, my Facebook poll question today asks the question, and uh, I'm inviting listeners to respond. Simply go on to uh, the Vision Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. The question I'm asking today, do you think the outcomes of growing violence and unrest around the world could be affected by Christian prayer and action? Uh, Now, you can respond to that and you can leave a comment in the comment section. We'll reflect some of those as they continue to come through. Uh, I've included in my question, though, Camille, just uh, I've I've included. Sometimes we say the Christian is called to prayer. And of recent times, I've been inspired to always mention the idea of prayer and action. Now, I wonder whether you've got any comment there, because oftentimes we'll talk about the Christian on their knees in prayer. Uh, It's another step to say a prayer and action. Any thoughts there for listeners who might be thinking about their response to that question? Well, I think that action is very appropriate, provided it's led by the Holy Spirit. But, for example... There's all kinds of things happening. We're we're seeing the culture war on steroids. And one of the actions is, of course, to learn more about what we are seeing with our eyes and ears. Another thing is there may be a place for the individual to take some form of political activism. And it can be very appropriate for a Christian depending, of course, what the activism's about and, and the spirit of it. I've always felt, as, as I am a clergy man, that we should be very informed. We don't necessarily preach politics from the pulpit, but we can preach issues. I mean, we, don't, we shouldn't go around telling people which party to vote for and all that, from the pulpit, that is. But we can talk about the issues. We need to inform our people because, frankly, some of the normal forms of getting informed are not very reliable, like media, many parts of the media, and even academia has uh, let us down. So the normal means of getting informed may not be good enough. We have to find other ways. But at the same time, the church can do a lot of helpful and God-honoring dissemination of information 
especially on just simple moral issues. That would be a really wonderful start, teaching and preaching on the moral issues, as well as how we are to be good citizens in society. So many priorities, aren't there, when it comes to what we would hear in church or what we think we'd like to hear in church. But uh, as you speak into this idea of uh, moral issues in church, what that does is connects with what's happening in our culture today. And uh, when you talk about uh, culture war, you mentioned culture war on steroids because not that long ago people were not talking about the culture war as we understand it today, but it is continuing to intensify. When you're explaining to people culture war, what do you like to do to just uh, help people understand the context of what's going on around the world? Sure. Uh, This is one of the big topics that I've been drawn to speak on in the Understanding the Times tour over the last few years. To define culture war is Western civilization and I think this is a very strong case, has been heavily influenced by Judeo-Christianity in issues of morality, marriage, family, ethics, even in economics to some extent, economics tempered by Judeo-Christianity. There is another wind, and it comes from a leftist point of view. It can come from cultural Marxism combined with progressivism, and secularism and socialism, that, that field there, that many of the things that are important to Judeo-Christianity are anathema to them, and they want to change the society by changing the culture. So it's really the, the clash of headwinds of the normative Judeo-Christian Western civilization versus this thing from the left, and it's been going on at least since the 1960s, with antecedents predating even before that, in the 40s and in the 30s and in the 20s as well. So that's my definition in a nutshell. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Camille Majdali. He he leads Teach All Nations, a Bible teacher and futurist. We're talking through our thoughts on foundations for violence and unrest in the West. Camille, we'll take some calls shortly and our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. But Camille, uh, let me just ask you, as we're talking culture wars here, we mentioned Black Lives Matter and that may be one thing that's on our screens. But uh, as we understand how this culture war has been affecting people around the Western world, uh, what other things we might, what might we include there under things that have been affected dramatically of recent times? Well, the culture war got stoked a fair bit in the United States with the election of Donald Trump. And I have to comment that when we had Understanding the Times tour in 2016, my topic was uh, seven pillars, I believe, to understanding the future. And everybody, when it was question time, all they did was ask me about Donald Trump, who wasn't even in the notes. And since that point, we've seen uh, an intensity of division in the U.S., not because, well, simply because for once there seemed to be a proper pushback from 
the you know from the conservative side traditional values conservative i might add because conservatism is morphing into all kinds of interesting manifestations but the traditional values people were now pushing back against the progressives and the cultural marxists and it, this is not something we've seen very much before but we're seeing it in the us as uh, i speak so the thing is they're trying to change the culture but up till recently it was all words and political things and so on but now you're having violent protests which is so bad that the far left is attacking the left now one of the most amazing things we've seen is jk rowling the harry potter author and she's uh, she's how should I say impeccable left wing credentials she's politically vocal politically active for the left but cancel culture has tried to take her out of business because jk drew the line when it came to defining gender and she just says gender matters well the far left doesn't want it to matter not the way she wants it and not the way most people want it so what we're seeing is that the far left is attacking the left and we haven't seen that for a while but mind you that's not unheard of if you think of to be honest back in history what about stalin what about mao these are guys that attacked their own colleagues in their revolutions and had purges and cultural revolutions to weed their own ideological partners out of the mix so this kind of betrayal within the left is not unheard of but i guess it's just very stunning i mean jk and her friends uh, wrote a letter for harper's magazine 150 of them just saying look we need to go back to basic western freedoms of free exchange of ideas and thought great letter just would have been nice if they had sent it a long time ago rather now in the middle of the cancel culture that is an extreme version of the culture war and by the way for those who know what i'm talking about it's where if you say something that's politically incorrect the twitterati will go after you go to your employer and try to get you fired Yes. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Let's take a call. Greg is on the line from Horsham in Victoria. Greg, a special welcome along. Yeah, thanks very much for, for yeah, the great conversation. Greg, uh, what are your thoughts for our conversation? Yeah, I was just, um, one, one thing that constantly sort of comes to not just my mind, but conversations that I have with um, other people, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, and but the the idea of I suppose the church, like the capital C church, anyone, any Christian, any Jesus follower, um, what what's I'd be really interested to hear your guys' thoughts on what our role as the capital C church, you know, the body of Christ here on earth, what's our role in the conversation around whether it's Black Lives Matter gender fluidity, all these different culture wars that are going on in the West at the moment. Um, yeah, what are some of the key points, I suppose, of our role in through relationship with other people uh, in that? Fabulous thoughts. Uh, Camille, your response for Greg. Okay, sure. Thank you, Greg, for your comments. First of all, I would say that we need to get informed of what's happening. For example, it would do wonders for people if they want to invoke Black Lives Matter because it's a wonderful, catchy term. Wonderful. And the, but 
Google them and look at their website and look at what they believe in, it will be highly instructive because it's not just about Black Lives Matter. It's a really a whole change of our way of living. It's a, a Marxist organization, but you wouldn't know that until you go to the website. That's the first thing, be informed. The second thing is be prayerful. And, and prayer, of course, sounds generic. So let's pray to hear the voice of God. Let's pray to let go of the things that displease God, because part of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, is to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. And the third thing is, as we pray, let's pray for a revival and do those things that enhance revival. So be filled with the Spirit and know the Word and and serve the Lord in whatever capacity He's called you to do. This is the wonderful antidote to the anarchy and the chaos that we're currently seeing. Greg, does that answer your question? Because when you said big C church, uh, if you said little c, you might be saying this is the micro me, what do I do? And uh, the big C might be what do we do collectively as church? Uh, Did that uh, give you some insight there? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's such a critical time. The point about being informed is obviously um, more critical than ever. And uh, I think that was, yeah, thank you very much. That was great. Greg, thank you for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. Camille, not too long out from the news, just uh, over a minute or so. Uh, When we're talking Big C Church Collective, uh, we're talking about an audience that might be listening to our conversation today. We're talking about our denominational church. Uh, we're talking about where there is a collective response in communities. Uh, there's there's certainly uh, you know, something that has to be strategized and acted upon, isn't there? Just a quick response on that. Well, quick response. <laughs> I think that we, uh, let's put it this way, where we can be a voice of sanity, we can... Uh, Let's put it this way. Where we have a a platform, let's use it. Where we lack a platform, we need to go to those that do have the platform, our leaders, and work with them to see, how should I say, a positive thrust from the church towards society today in prayer, in proper action, and so on and so forth. Camille leads Teach All Nations. He's a Bible teacher and a futurist. He follows global trends. There's a postponement of his Understanding the Times tour this year, but there are some plans for an Understanding the Times tour early 2021. Uh, We'll be looking forward to that possibility, Camille. Camille, let's get this part of our conversation underway with a response from a listener who's responded to our online poll question today on our Facebook page. Jennifer says... Do you think the high death rate amongst seniors in Victoria this last month is because of an euthanasia mindset in Victoria? Now, that's an interesting question, Camille, and uh, you're in the UK. We're speaking to you. It's the middle of the night. Not sure how up you are on all of the issues and developments in Victoria, but there's quite an outbreak amongst uh, aged care facilities in Victoria right now. Jennifer's question is around that. Any thoughts for Jennifer there? 
Well, uh, thanks for that. Yeah, I am watching Victoria carefully. That's where I'm from. I understand Victoria is in big lockdown again and all the rest of it. I don't necessarily think there has to be a direct connection. For example, there was a massive and horrible break among seniors in the state of New York. And as far as I know, New York does not have, and nor does any jurisdiction in the United States have, assisted suicide or uh, euthanasia. So I don't think that necessarily is it. But like everything else, we are supposed to take care as Christians, the very young and the very old. That is part of our ethos because we serve the Lord of life. These two areas seem to be very vulnerable when you have a far-left cultural Marxist point of view. Children are expendable through abortion, and the aged are expendable through, of course, neglect as well as euthanasia. But that's in a general context. So I would just say in Victoria, and uh, of course I know Victoria, <laughs> but uh, look, it's, it's the spiritual atmosphere there is, in my opinion, a mixed bag. But uh, we just, we, we do have left-wing, in fact, the most progressive state government in Australian history is in Victoria right now. But my feeling is, let's pray for the state government and Mr. Andrews in Victoria. We should be. That is biblically mandated. That we don't even need a rhema or the sounding of the trumpets or the angels appearing. We are supposed to pray for these people, these ones in authority. And I would encourage that. And also for your Queensland Premier, Anastasia Pelichet, same. And for Gladys Berejiklian, the same. Let's pray for these leaders. They need all the wisdom they can get. And it doesn't matter whether we agree with them or voted for them. They're in power. God allowed them to be in power. So let's pray for them and let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts the real causes of what's happening within our community. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Wendy in Casino in New South Wales. Hi, Wendy. Welcome. Hello, Neil. Great to hear from you, Wendy. What are your thoughts? Well, I want to speak into the topic of the, what action Christians can do. I heard um, Camille say, yes, getting involved in politics. Um, I was one of those people like Bill Muhlenberg. I was an ex uh, radical back in the 70s in Armadale and I was you know one of those activists I was left wing I was atheist all of those things um, and I had somebody pray for me uh, a little bit later when I was going through a crisis and not only did she pray for me but she you know she was a Christian and she was um, but she also was very very kind to me and she more or less would have given me the shirt off her back and, and I really found it so persuasive that the time came when I changed and I ended up becoming a Christian as she wanted. And then instead of being a left-wing activist, I'm now a right-wing conservative. What I'm trying to suggest today is, yes, political action is great, but how about small C Christians also targeting some people that they see that, you know, that really do need change? Because I was going through a terrible crisis, but I was okay on the outside. Nobody really saw how how discouraged and depressed I was, but this girl did, and she, she, you know, she really worked hard on me. 
Wow. Wendy, a wonderful insight, wonderful testimony there. Uh, Camille, your thoughts for Wendy? Well, I think the point that she's brought out that I want to highlight is we do need to do the work of evangelism, and we need to do it in a very wise and, shall we say, relevant way. I, I, I hesitate to use that word because it's mischievous, but we need to do evangelism. I mean, I was evangelized. I dare say Bill and all the others I'm thinking of from that generation, they were evangelized. Somebody shared the good news with them. But it's good news where we take where they're coming from and the utopia they're hoping to achieve through leftism and say, wait a minute, no, no, no. You're, you, you were looking for the right kind of thing, you're just finding it in the wrong place because man-made utopias don't work. They, in fact, they do the exact opposite of what they promise and tell them about the king that is coming, namely Jesus, and, and all the rest. So to do the work of the ministry and of evangelism, as well as prayer, intercession, and Holy Spirit-directed activism is to me the sensible and wise thing to do as Christians in the face of our changing and violence-riddled culture. Wendy, thank you so much for your testimony. Thank you for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. Rosemary is in Melbourne. Hi, Rosemary. Good morning, Neil. How are you today? Really well, thank you, Rosemary. Lovely to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I'm hearing about the weather in Sydney yesterday and seeing my weather map here in the Melbourne paper. And that's reminding me of the Lord. And um, last year with the bushfires, the floods and the um, droughts and many times in history and in the Bible in Australia where the weather um, helps people to actually look to the Lord, and he answers them. It's interesting. Uh, weather being something that can lead you into your thoughts being turned to God. And uh, when we are in a land of extremes, as we are here in Australia, uh, we might actually be very much uh, enriched by turning our thoughts towards God rather than, and, and this could be an interesting and uh, and controversial too, but some of the left-wing causes, even to do with the weather. Uh, your thoughts for Rosemary, Camille? Sure. Uh, look, as far as the weather is concerned and all that, uh, that's not my biggest forte. But I do know God is in control of everything. And as far as... <laughs> Unfortunately, like everything else, <laughs> when it comes to issues of the climate and the weather and what have you, we have uh, we've been getting all kinds of information that may not be anywhere near to uh, the accuracy. But at the same time, the Bible does speak about signs in the heavens too. We did have the uh, blood red moon issue about five years ago. And I was saying even back then, and this is as somebody who teaches on prophecy, let's be very careful with that because it's a package deal. If the moon is blood red, then there's also stars falling from the sky and the, the sun and other things being shaken. It's, we have to have the whole thing, and we didn't. And, of course, nothing came out of that. So I think, like everything else, we will get it right 
when we're walking according to the Word and we're led by the Holy Spirit. You will never go wrong with that, and you will hit the mark again and again. Rosemary, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's come back to this issue with the culture war, uh, with violence, with growing unrest. The idea, Camille, of destruction, of theft, as we might think about in looting practices, uh, injury, Uh, we might understand some deeper things there from the Scripture because that Scripture that says, you know, the devil comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. Uh, There's an opposite to that, and that might be part of a spiritual response here that believers are called to because sometimes we, as I mentioned earlier, often talk only about prayer, but prayer and action together uh, may well counter those actions that come from the evil side. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts here on uh, the destruction, uh, theft, injury, and uh, the spirituality of that. You mean from John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Yes, I, I think uh, that's the scripture in John 10.10. 10. Uh, yes, uh, Jesus responds, but I have come that you might have life, and life abundantly. And so uh, when you talk theft, Uh, injury, destruction, chaos, uh, anarchy, those things are opposite to the abundance that Jesus brings. For sure. Uh, When we talk about culture war, it's just simply a visible mirror image of what really is a cosmic war, a war between the forces of darkness, which is Satan and demon powers, and they're very much alive and well, but the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, Son of God, soon coming King. And so there is this clash. Now, the devil is no match for God whatsoever. But what he can do, and what he is doing, since he cannot personally attack God, God's too big, so he'll attack the things that represent God. And that's Judeo-Christianity. This is and and the biblical way. If we believe that our Bible is reflective of the living God, and it is for sure, then it's no wonder we're seeing a shaking happen. Part of the shaking is because I believe we need to come back to God. There's a, a backsliddenness that has to be healed and remedied. But part of the shaking is because God is not only moving but intending to move in a greater way. And so the devil knows that his time is short, and he's enacting a very big backlash. So for the church, it's a time not, well, to follow what it says in First Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep, as do others. Let us watch and be sober. But of course, we're not just passively watching and being sober and doing nothing. We are watching, being sober, and once we see things and hear the voice of the Spirit, we will respond accordingly in evangelism, in the work of the ministry, and in constructive, Spirit-led activism to to make our voices he- heard. I mean, I'm very grateful that in Australia we do have Christian groups that are on the political front and doing, in my opinion, a very good job of teaching the church, what's going on, and giving them forums and, shall we say, uh, opportunities to make a difference in their activism. So, yes, I think we're just seeing the clash 
of two civilizations in the heavenlies, and it's reflected here on Earth. Interestingly, Camille, activism without the prayer dimension uh, leads you into just being a part of a activist force, uh, which might be a culture warrior position, but doesn't actually give you that spiritual intent. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts here on uh, the idea that if you approach an activism without the spiritual dimension of bringing God into what you're doing, that somehow or other it'll be easy to demonize people groups. It'll be easy to take sides in a culture warrior uh, circumstance, uh, which may actually not be what you might get if you're listening carefully to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, What are your thoughts for that sort of activism? Well, I would say it's not just prayer to keep us on track but also having the right spirit in ourselves. Well, of course, we need the Holy Spirit, but our own attitude is essential. Remember that coming from the left is a lot of hatred. It's, it's, you can cut it with a knife. Hatred. And that should never be said of us. Now, it's easy to fall into that if you're not walking with the Lord. But we need to have very much the Christian attitude of loving the enemy, so to speak, not the enemy in the heavenlies, but the people on earth. And I believe that part of our potent Christian testimony is that we can disagree with those that want to violently change our culture without being disagreeable or unloving to them. I always find, and this was apparently one of the key things with the late Ravi Zacharias, he always treated people not as adversaries, but as searching souls. And so even though they would have points of view that are the antithesis of what Ravi would believe in as a Christian, he didn't let that stand in the way of being able to relate and to love such people. We need to do likewise. Never forget the the right attitude, the love factor, in addition to the prayer, in addition to ministry, and in addition to activism. I know you were writing recently and you said racism is wrong and so is rioting. Now, it's interesting because you've drawn some attention in some of your recent newsletters, Camille, to the idea that an awful lot of people get hurt when you tar everyone with the same brush. Now, of course, when we are racist in attitudes, we are tarring everyone with the same brush. We might have had a bad experience and then therefore everybody is bad. But you've drawn some attention of recent times to the fact that uh, African-American people uh, receive tremendously negative publicity because of uh, the rioting that goes on with the Black Lives Matter movement. But you've drawn attention to the fact that there are some absolutely wonderful people uh, in the African-American community. Any thoughts here to, to expand on that? Well, first of all, with the term racism and all the other charged terminology, part of our, the culture war has been to take the semantics and plain normative meaning of words and change them into something we wouldn't even recognize. For example, tolerance. Now, tolerance is in itself a good thing, but when it comes to the culture war, it's not so good because it's basically having to renounce or hold in abeyance what you firmly believe and to acknowledge that everyone else 
has an equally valid point of view, even though their point of view is off this planet. So the words don't mean, Neil, what they used to mean. Racism doesn't mean what it used to mean, and that kind of thing. But as far as the African-American community, of course, some of the most wonderful churches in America are African-American. Some of the most wonderful ministers are African-American. They, they seem to have extra spiritual antennas <laughs> to the non-African-American, and they're wonderfully gifted in song, in preaching, in sport, and, and things like that. So, and, and also, they're the ones suffering the most from the rioting, and they're suffering the most from defunding of police and all the rest that's going on in some of the blue states and blue cities in the U.S. Therefore, uh, yeah, we, we, we're not getting the whole story. And if you learn about traditional Marxist methods, Saul Alinsky, the issue is never the issue. So if they talk about, for example, Black Lives Matter, it's not necessarily Black Lives Matter. Ultimately, it's revolution. Ultimately, it's uh, leftism. That's what matters. So we need to see behind the, the mask. But as far as the community of African-Americans, they have come a long way. There's still a ways to go. But boy, compared to what they were before, uh, yeah, they, they've been very blessed in many areas. Time is running short. Let's take one more call. Marguerite is in Rockhampton, Queensland. Hi, Marguerite. Welcome. Hi, how are you today, Camille really well. and Neil? Well, thank you, Marguerite. What are your thoughts? Hi, Marguerite. Well, I think we're all blessed for a start with Neil, you interviewing Camille um, about this subject. I think, unfortunately, the devil, um, the Satan sort of works very um, cunningly behind the scenes and people with the Holy Spirit, we tend to... Um, not be taking notice of all of this that's going on behind the scenes and I don't want to be judgmental but most of the things that are happening have been in the pipeline you know since 2015 and before and they're um, they know exactly what they're doing but you know shock shock to us we're sort of gone like and I think it's a lot to do with the Holy Spirit, as we say, and we agree on that, you know, when we've got the Holy Spirit in us, we know that we are um, with God whichever way it goes. But it's a shame that all these people are being drawn into a life without the Holy Spirit and a life of this Marxism thing where um, no one wins because you're not going to be a friend of the Marxism even if you, whatever you do, you might march in 20 marches but you're still not going to get the tick of approval. So why, yeah, how can we get through to people like this that are very in a focus to a fact that is very... Yeah, Marguerite, um, it does seem that there is a fair bit of naivety in those who will support those protests and that organisation without giving it much deep thought. Uh, but running short of time, but Camille, a, a response for Marguerite. Right. I would say and thank you, Marguerite, uh, for your comments. The point is we need to pray. There's a lot of deception in our world and the biblical spirit-led Christian 
is not immune, but they do have weapons to fight it, the most effective weapons. The name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, the Word of God is truth. We need to stand on truth's territory. That is, a, for starters, that we ourselves are in the truth. And then through prayer, evangelism, love, Let's believe for God to let the scales fall off the eyes of those who have been deceived and think they are doing the right thing, but the truth is they aren't. And it, it, it is gloriously possible for such people to change. After all, we spoke about Bill Muhlenberg, Dr. Michael Brown, and others. They were in that category, and the scales fell off their eyes, and now they're serving the Lord very powerfully. So God can do it again, and by His grace... And our prayers, he will. Marguerite, thank you so much for your call. And just a couple of minutes uh, remaining for our conversation, Camille. Hey, uh, Teach All Nations, uh, you're in the UK. You had been planning and understanding the Times Tour for this year. It would have been just about ready to get underway. You've had to postpone that because of COVID-19. You've got some plans to uh, target early 2021. Uh, Give us a little insight into what your plan might be. And no doubt it can't be absolutely in concrete yet. But what are your thoughts uh, for another tour of Australia? Well, the tour of Australia... Uh, we want to come back in 2021, as we would have been, would have been leaving for the third of August this year. But Qantas cancelled my flight, so uh, and uh, I hope I'm not in a hurry to get back to Australia. The way the flights are, I am looking to do something with Vision Online for this year, like I think in September, for Understand the Times. So we need to watch out for that. And uh, listeners, please watch out because we will have something very wonderfully prepared for you. As far as 2021, I just read from Qantas that they may not be having full-fledged international flights until mid-2021. So if that's the case, then the normal slot for understanding the times would remain, which would be, say, August or September or October, somewhere along the latter part of the year. Yes, if I could do it sooner, I would do it. But uh, that's where we stand at the moment. And in the meantime, of course, people can subscribe to the Issachar Teaching e-letter at our website and keep in touch that way, as, as well as the periodic times I'm with you, Neil. And, of course, there's faith in the future that they can hear on a week daily basis. And we'll try and keep a sort of semi-regular opportunity open there, Camille, because uh, whenever we talk, uh, there's always a wonderful response. And I know listeners, uh, they do hang on every word because uh, you do espouse significant wisdom and it's biblical wisdom that people are hearing when they're hearing those things as you reflect on these current issues like the one we're talking about today. That website, teachallnationstan.org.au. You you also have a YouTube channel, Camille. Uh, you mentioned subscribing yes. to the Issachar Teaching e-letter. You can do that through tan.org.au. And uh, we're looking forward to the opportunity to have you back in Australia. And uh, you'll all obviously uh, uh, we'll we'll give more detail as the opportunity comes for uh, what might be a webinar or uh, some special event that will come up in the near future. Uh, Dr. Camille Majdali, great getting your insights as always. Thank you so much for staying up late for us and uh, sharing your thoughts and your heart with listeners today on 2020. My pleasure, Neil, and God bless Australia. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.